So uh, I was sitting at my computer in the house, and the, uh, the window next to me faces out to the street. I was on a run in Woods Hole in mid-October, and it was like around sunset. I was driving down Terhune Drive, which is, it leads to the hospital, and it's surrounded on either side by B.B. Woods. And I saw something move, and I looked. And it was kind of, it felt like a magical moment, because I was just going up this hill, and I felt like something was watching me. And this fella kind of like jauntily walked across the middle of the road. And there was this small coyote going by, had something large in its mouth. So I grabbed one of my cameras and I ran out there real quick. And I turned and there was a coyote standing there, like looking at me from across the street. He looked directly at me. Um, not so much that he was afraid. He looked very at peace and not worried about me. When I got out there and started about to take a picture, uh, it noticed me and turned towards me and was holding an entire full-grown unfortunately uh, roadkill possibly cat in its mouth and the two of us just kind of stood there and like stared at each other from across the street at like this really beautiful twilight hour and i i did stop my car because i didn't want to kill him and um he, he looked at me for a while we shared a glance and then he ran back into the woods so i took a few pictures and uh and it you know trotted off after that and then we both went running in our separate ways <laughs> <Beautiful. laughs> it was a beautiful moment you're listening to the Upper Cape Catch by the Enterprise, where we bring you audio stories on the latest news from Falmouth, Mashpee, Bourne, and Sandwich. I'm Gilda Geist, and if you haven't figured it out already, this week's episode is all about coyotes. What you just heard at the beginning of this episode was three personal stories of coyote encounters, told by Enterprise photographer Jean Marchand, Upper Cape Catch co-producer and Falmouth Enterprise reporter Noel Ananin, and Falmouth resident Caroline Cahill. If you live on the Upper Cape, chances are you've heard stories like these from friends and family, read about local coyote sightings on Facebook, or heard these animals howling late at night. But coyotes haven't always been on Cape Cod. To understand how they got here, we need to first take a look back into history around the 17-1800s. Back then, as well as for the past 12,000 years, the northeastern United States has had a large carnivore at the top of its food chain. In New England, that large carnivore was the wolf, specifically the gray wolf and the eastern wolf. These wolves were killed off by European settlers in the 1800s, leaving a vacuum in the food chain for an entire century. Then, around 1919, a new subspecies started to form in and around Algonquin Provincial Park, a 3,000-square-mile park in Canada. Western coyotes bred with wolves to create what are known today as eastern coyotes or coy wolves. We know from genetic testing what the animals are. They're, you know, about 60 to 65 percent western coyote, 25 to 30 percent wolf, and roughly about 10 percent dog. And so when you look at their uh, genetics, uh, you know, I, I think the word coy wolf kind of fits right into their genotype in, in, in their background. That voice you just heard was Jonathan Way, Cape Cod resident, longtime coyote biologist, and founder of the website Eastern Coyote slash Coy Wolf Research. John is the scientist who actually coined the term coy wolf. But anyway, back to the history of eastern coyotes. So around 1919, the subspecies formed, and then over the next several decades, the eastern coyote migrated south and west into New England and upstate New York. By the 1980s, the eastern coyote had made its way to Cape Cod. They colonize an area really quickly because they breed and then they spread out, they breed and then they spread out. And a place like Cape Cod probably took them less than 10 years to colonize just about all of Cape Cod. Um, they specifically got to Cape Cod, and they probably still do in terms of coming on and leaving Cape Cod. Just how you would guess, they just swam right across the canal, 
And John says that swimming across the canal isn't even that impressive compared to some of the other things these coyotes can do. Coyotes have been spotted on Martha's Vineyard, and seeing as it's an island, it's believed they swim there, John says. It's also believed that coyotes have crossed Long Island Sound from Connecticut to get to Long Island, and coyotes have even been seen traveling to islands on pack ice, John says. Eastern coyotes may have their wolf ancestors to thank for their strong swimming abilities. In British Columbia, scientists have documented wolves swimming over six miles to hunt on offshore islands, John says. When you combine coyotes and wolves, they do some amazing things. But anyway, this is all to say that koi wolves and eastern coyotes are synonymous with one another. All coyotes on Cape Cod are eastern coyotes, which means that throughout this episode when I say coyotes, I'm referring to the eastern coyotes found in this region of the United States. Now that we have our terminology cleared up, let's talk about coyote behavior. Coyotes are highly social, family-oriented animals, which is why they live in packs. They're also range-expanding animals, which means they live at low densities, spreading out further and further each time they breed. Because of this behavior, John sometimes refers to coyotes as master colonizers. Coyotes' range-expanding tendencies also help explain why we sometimes see them in urban and suburban areas. But just because your home is near a pack of coyotes' territory doesn't necessarily mean they're going to bother you. It's exceedingly rare for coyotes to interact with people. They learn to live in human-dominated areas like Cape Cod, and one of the things that they learn to do while they're living in there is to avoid people, and I know some people won't believe that, but the statistics bear out. Another fascinating aspect of coyote behavior is how they get their food. Coyotes mostly eat meat, though they are technically omnivores. They eat voles, mice, rabbits, insects. They'll eat deer, too, if they can catch them. In fact, coyotes usually can't catch deer. That is, unless the deer is vulnerable in some way, such as by being sick. Here's John. Coyotes and wolves really pick up on sick individuals because that's their job. They can smell sick individuals, they can see them behaving abnormally, but it's thought that predators like coyotes and wolves and this eastern coyote or coral can actually prevent disease from coming to an area. Another thing that they can provide which is related to disease is by being like vultures and removing um, dead things in the environment, whether they kill it and it's unhealthy or it's already dead, like, you know, a highway roadkill deer that people don't pick up. It's thought that um, coyotes more than really most animals, because they live at a pretty high density for their body size, um, that they can remove things like dead deer from the system pretty effectively, which definitely reduces diseases. Generally, coyotes hunt opportunistically. But what does this mean for our house pets? Most studies have found that domestic pets, especially house cats, are a very low percent of their diet. That doesn't mean that they won't prey on them and eat them. But statistically speaking, the average coyote on Cape Cod or anywhere is mostly eating wild food. When coyotes do find something to eat, they'll actually communicate with each other by howling. We think that they can say basic things like, I have food over here, come here, and that can be an efficient way to communicate even if they're a mile or two apart. So that's within the pack. That's within their own families or packs. John says coyotes can most likely recognize each other as individuals inside and outside the pack, especially if they hear an individual's howl regularly. They also can communicate between packs, and we think largely, especially when you hear the group howls, we think largely that is to advertise their territory. They're literally saying, we live here, stay away. And I'm 100% convinced that the areas that don't have human coyote hunting were areas where people don't kill coyotes and they live for a long period of time. They recognize their neighbors. They don't trespass into their neighbors' territories because they know where their, their, their neighbors live. You may have heard some of this inter communication before. 
It sounds a little something like this. But anyway, when it comes to territory, things aren't always so simple in the coyote world. You see, when alpha coyotes in a pack are killed by hunters or whatever threat is at hand, the pack sort of reorganizes. New coyotes from outside the pack looking for territory see that the area isn't being guarded by the alphas and take the opportunity to claim some of the land for themselves. So I've had a couple of scenarios that I had this relatively small territory. It wasn't even a huge territory. It was like six to eight square miles. And one from the resident male that had radio collar died. 85% of that original territory was divided into two territories. And literally, one pack used the northern three to four square miles and the other pack used the southern roughly four square miles as well. And eventually those animals lived and prospered and took over that original territory, and you had almost twice as many coyotes in that original territory. So yes, killing coyotes can actually lead to more coyotes. If you think of in Hercules when he's trying to slay the hydra, but each time he cuts off its head, two new heads emerge, it's kind of like that. Or at least that's how I think of it. But now, I want to take a moment to address a question that many listeners at home may be wondering. Are coyotes dangerous? It's really exceptionally rare for coyotes to attack people. According to John, in all of recorded North American history, there have only been two people killed by coyotes. In terms of attacks or bites, the United States sees just three to five coyote bites on people per year. In comparison, John says, five million people in the United States are attacked by dogs each year, with about a thousand people per day going to the emergency room for dog attacks. You know, it's definitely smart to be aware of them and learn to live smartly with them. Um, But it's also important to keep things in perspective of their relative lack of danger compared to other things in our daily lives. Also, as we heard earlier, most coyotes want to avoid us. Usually, if a coyote bites a person, it's likely that the animal was either rabid or being fed by humans. In terms of coyote safety, feeding these guys is a big no-no. So that brings me to the final segment of this episode— what to do when you encounter a coyote. Here's John. The first thing is to enjoy the sighting, you know, because the vast majority of them aren't going to do anything besides run across the road and get to where they're going, and they just regard us as kind of an inconvenience in their daily travels. So that's the first thing is to realize there's little to fear and and that they're kind of a a cool animal, an ecologically important animal that, that lives among us. And that's pretty much all you need to do. However, if the animal is exhibiting bold or abnormal behaviors, or you just want it to back off a bit, you can make noise by yelling and clapping your hands and make yourself look bigger with your arms or your jacket. If this still isn't deterring the coyote, you can also throw something at them. John explained that in Yellowstone National Park, there's actually a paintball team made up of park rangers and biologists, whose job it is to shoot the coyotes with paintballs if they're getting too comfortable around people, cars, or the road. If you have your dog with you when encountering a coyote, all these methods still apply. However, there's one more critical step. Leashing dogs is a really important one because they're really attracted and bothered by dogs because they're predators. The dogs are also, you know, are in the dog family, obviously. And so uh, dogs are something that kind of can attract coyotes, especially if they are keying in on unleashed dogs. So leashing dogs is really important because um, it can prevent the interaction from happening. It can prevent the coyotes from chasing the dogs or the dogs from chasing the coyotes that the coyotes eventually respond to and possibly attack. The chance of a coyote attacking your dog goes astronomically down when you have your dogs leashed. I mean, I would say 90 to probably up to 99% of the chance of your dog getting attacked goes down because you have it leashed. 
As master colonizers filling a critical role in Cape Cod's ecosystem, coyotes aren't going away anytime soon. There's little we can do about that, but there's lots we can do to understand more about coyotes and how to stay safe around them. To learn more about coyotes, you can visit John's website, easterncoyoteresearch.com. There, you can check out the facts, photos, and research that John has been collecting over the years, as well as his latest book, Koi Wolf, which is free to download. The website is linked in the description of this episode. This episode was voiced, written, and produced by me, Gilda Geist. Special thanks to Caroline Cahill, Jean Marchand, Noelle Ananen, and Jonathan Way. The Upper Cape Catch by The Enterprise comes out every Friday, just like our newspaper. Pick up your copy at our office in Falmouth or at your favorite local business. Or check us out online at capenews.net. We also now have an app that is free to download on the App Store and Google Play. Thanks for listening.